It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you listen, I hope you're doing all right. We got a busy show scheduled for today. Uh, but first, today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out his website, www dot sal's neighborhood pizzeria dot com or give my man a call 912-268-2328 912-268-2328 find out why i go all the way to saint simon's to get an authentic italian meal today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book tom mono from bondage to baddest man on the planet is available right now where all good books are sold and you can literally get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to the show just visit uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. If you're looking to get a signed copy, just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the book. You can't miss it. Just don't forget to uh, you know, put in there what you want me to say when I sign it. And uh, for everybody that was waiting uh, for a copy of the books, uh, we had shipped them all out last week. Uh, we had gotten a new supply, and we got uh, plenty now. So if you're looking to get a copy, now's the time. And trust me, it's not too early to start thinking of the Christmas gifts. And speaking of books, uh, I'm thinking uh, my next one should be out uh, early 2018. So keep your eyes open for that. Um, today, uh, most of the show uh, will focus on our final thoughts uh, on the Triple G Canelo Alvarez fight, which took place on Saturday. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, our condolences, prayers, uh, and thoughts thoughts go out to uh, David Bay's family and friends. David Bay, a former world heavyweight title challenger, uh, was uh, killed in an accident uh, over the weekend uh, in New Jersey. He was only 60 years old. Uh, so, uh, like I said, our thoughts, prayers, and condolences go out to the friends and family of uh, the late David Bay, former uh, uh, world heavyweight uh, title challenger. Um, I got some news that I'm going to talk about a little bit later. Um, important news. Um, well, I might as well mention it now. You know, uh, Deontay Wilder and uh, Luis Ortiz, it's been made official. Uh, we'll talk more about that on tomorrow's show. And speaking of tomorrow's show, uh, Hall of Famer Larry Hazard scheduled to join us. And our Blast from the Past features. <laughs> A former world champion and a boxing Hall of Famer, as per request, 
And what a great fighter he was. Luis Manuel Rodriguez, uh, a uh, fighter that left us uh, soon. Uh, but uh, wait till you learn about this guy. A fighter I totally forgot about, thanks uh, to uh, a listener who requested us to do a blast on him. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, right, he fought that, oh, yeah. And his epic battles with Emil Griffith, uh, great, great fighter we'll uh, be talking about uh, tomorrow. Um, Triple G Canelo, the fight went to a draw. Uh, I did get a chance to watch it again. Uh, and I, I tell you the truth, I, I still scored it for Triple G. However, the first time around, I gave rounds 1, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 11 to Triple G. And Canelo, 2, 3, 10, and 12. Uh, so by rounds, I was 8 to 4, which gave me a 116, 112 score. After I watched it a second time, I actually, and it's funny because when I did the post-fight show, I did say I gave the last two rounds to uh, Canelo, and on my scorecard, I didn't. But when I watched it again, I did, officially, uh, which uh, uh, changed my score one point, 115-113. Uh, still, uh, Triple G wins the fight. Joining me right now uh, from St. Simons Island in Georgia uh, is my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, did you get a chance to rewatch the fight? No, I did not, because I have that lasting impression of that first fight and i i'm i'm panning i'm gonna i'm gonna watch it again because it was a it was a good fight it was a very good fight to watch but no way no way in the world could i have come up with a score 118 to 110 and for canelo alvarez that is just it's it, as mike tyson would say it's ludicrous and forget about it it's unbelievable and uh i had triple g winning the fight i had the score the same i had 116 to 112 uh, scored it pretty much along the lines of Harold Letterman and, and yourself too, Bill. Um, I know that Triple G lost those last two rounds. And, you know, to the credit of uh, Canelo Alvarez, his corner did uh, entice him on and say, hey, buddy, you got to go out there. You got to do this. You got to close the show. And he did. He just didn't close it enough. Uh, but Triple G still won that fight fair and square. It should have been a unanimous decision. And there was no way I saw Alvarez get that decision in any way, shape, or form. Well, at the end of the fight, I got some quotes. Uh, Canelo Alvarez uh, said uh, that he thought he won the fight. He said, uh, I was superior in the ring. I won at least seven or eight of the rounds. I was able to counterpunch and even make Triple G wobble a couple of times. Uh, it's up to the people if we fight again. I feel frustrated over the draw triple g said uh it's a big drama show i want to thank all my fans i want to thank uh, all my kakakistan uh, fans for supporting me for coming out of course i want to rematch this was a real fight uh look i still have all the belts i'm the champion um he also said uh, uh well canelo said that he was happy with his performance uh, on saturday night he says the plan was to use the ring and the ropes and we did exactly that let's put the scorecard aside we fought a great fight tonight. If people want a rematch, why not? Unfortunately, we can't put the scorecard aside uh, because the guy who won the fight didn't get the actual W. And I find that statement a little crazy because during the fight, multiple times, his corner kept telling him, get off the ropes, stay off the ropes. And uh, Canelo kept going on the ropes. Uh, Triple G uh, had uh, more to say. He said, uh, I am the champion. This was the biggest fight in boxing. It's terrible. Uh, I'm over it. I saw the reaction. It's terrible. This wasn't fair. 
when they asked him if he wanted a rematch, he says, of course I want a rematch. Real Mexican-style fighters do not run from the best fights, from historical fights. Um, Triple G's tra trainer, and normally I never give quotes from trainers or promoters, but I felt that these were kind of important. Uh, Abel Sanchez says, to paraphrase uh, Triple G, this was a big drama score. Uh, Triple G and Canelo treated us to a great event. It's a shame they didn't get the definitive result they deserved. It was a close fight. I thought Triple G won. You don't win fights backing up all night. Uh, uh, Triple G's promoter says, there's no question that Triple G won the fight. Because the world was watching and the media was covering it, this time what happens in Vegas won't stay in Vegas. Saturday's HBO <laughs> replay will show uh, all of that. Uh, there are no issues to us doing a rematch. I just hope it takes Canelo and Golden Boy less time to do it than it did to make this fight. Enough drama. Let's get them back into the ring. Gennady is a true champion. He runs from no one. And I think that uh, that's a, a pretty uh, accurate uh, statement. Um, now, pertaining to the uh, Adelie Bird, who was the judge that scored at 118-110, the gutless, spineless piece of garbage known as Bob Bennett said that uh, uh, he acknowledged uh, that her score was a little wide. Uh, this was the night of the fight. He said, that she uh, is an outstanding judge and he still has full confidence in her. He says, I'll go over the fight with uh, Adelaide round by round. He said, she'll have to articulate to me what she saw, how she saw it, why she scored each round the way she did, and then we'll continue to move forward. Now, a later development that took place, Sal, is that uh, he has relieved her uh, of her duties. Uh, I wonder if they already saw the fight, but you know, this is where I, I always say, and even though we have the criteria for judges, Sal, we all know the criteria. The order in which they prioritize it is in question. And at the end of the day, just like the punch stats, judges are judges. It becomes subjective. How can And I disagree with her scorecard, just like you and everyone else. But how do you say to someone, hey, how did you score that round? And they watch it and they go, oh, I scored that round for fighter A. And you're looking at them going, well, fighter B won. There's subjectivity. I mean, uh, there's a problem with the scoring system and subjectivity is it. Oh, absolutely. Subjectivity is it. And, you know, Bob, uh, Bob Bennett was, was right on one thing. She is an outstanding judge. She should be outstanding of the arena so she doesn't have an, the ability to judge another fight. It was, it, it was terrible, terrible, terrible. And, uh, you know, you could do only so much, Bill. You know, you're, it is subject to opinion. It's subject to a lot of things. But there are the indicators. There are the means of what criteria you use on a, on a, on a benchmark basis to judge a fight. And none of those things seem to apply to her card. There's no way in the world did Canelo Alvarez come close to even Winning by 118 to 110. I mean, what do you that I'm telling you, she should be banned for life. Well, you know, the, and, and again, I, I am not defending uh, Ms. Bird in any way, shape or form. But, you know, depending upon most of that fight was fought uh, from the television view from the less left side of the ring. Uh, you know, most most of that fight. Uh, I, at least the way I saw it, watching on TV, the left side of my screen uh, had uh, Triple G 
you know, pushing uh, Canelo to the ropes. He did his most damage Absolutely. in that area. Uh, now, assuming that her position was somewhere away from there, uh, she could have not seen uh, those punches or thought that they missed uh, or whatever. You know, and that's that's a that's a problem. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, uh, the winner didn't get crowned. And, and uh, you know, to be honest with you, Sal, just like uh, the late, great Sam Lankford used to say, you know, you always have the ability to bring your own judges to the ring. It's your left hand and your right hand. Can uh, Triple G, at some point in that fight, should have went forward and gone for the knockout. I mean, he was giving Canelo some some uh, respect too much, I think. And too as much. the rounds un unfolded, I thought that Canelo, although he displayed some pop behind his punches early in the fight, as that fight progressed, Sal, I thought he was losing the steam on his punches. That's when Canelo should have went full, full bore, I think. I think you're right. I think the middle rounds were key for Canelo Alvarez to be more aggressive, to come through, not throw one or two punches at a time, but to follow through with the combinations as he was doing at times where he was finding some success. I mean, he had, he had uh, Canelo Alvarez against the ropes, whether it was self-imposed by Canelo choosing to do that or whether he cut the ring off and had him there. He had Canelo Alvarez on the ropes many times where he could have just teed off, opened up, and just sidestep him, move to the side, do this, do that, slip some punches. But as we said, he did respect Canelo Alvarez's power. And uh, maybe one of those shots did hurt him. Maybe he had too much respect. I don't know. I see in a rematch that I, I you know, I, I, I have the ability to really feel that I could choose a, a fight, especially after the first fight. Like I said, Mayweather will beat Manny Pacquiao 99 out of 100 times. I say the second fight, they get in the ring together. Canelo Alvarez will be less effective against Triple G in the rematch. And Triple G will be more dominant. Triple G will win more convincingly. And uh, I, I could actually see Triple G, as I thought would happen this fight, stop Canelo before the end of the 12th. I don't know, you know, um, because if the fight, uh, like you and I spoke uh, briefly uh, uh, off air the other day, uh, if, if the fight took place this year, if, if they were able to make this fight happen in December... I would I would agree, but you know if they make it wait till the rumor has it Cinco de Mayo in May, uh, now you're waiting another six That's months. You know, uh, Triple G is now 36. Um, I, you know, I'm sorry, you age quickly in this sport, and uh, you know Canelo Alvarez looked like fatigue again was was his enemy, um, and as far as counter punching and his hand speed, he clearly uh, was counter punching better. And he clearly had the faster hand speed. Um, he just wasn't able to, you know, duplicate uh, Triple G in sparring and in, in preparation for this fight. The power that actually comes from Triple G. And, you know, I saw a lot of comments saying, oh, Triple G just chased him around the ring. No, he wasn't just chasing him around the ring. He controlled where Canelo would go. And that's why most of that fight watching from television, was on the left side of the screen. Triple G was doing that. He was the guy uh, that was forcing that. And, you know, when people watch his ad, he's chasing him around the ring. It wasn't just chasing him around the ring, no. Sal. He was maneuvering uh, Canelo where he wanted. And in those middle rounds, like you suggested, uh, was when he did the most damage. 
and took a lot out of Canelo. Although credit what credit's due, Canelo did muster up uh, more energy than Triple G had in those final two rounds. You are absolutely right there. But I will tell you that our, our good friend there, Harold Letterman, also said, and I agreed with him 100%, was I love the way that Triple G had effective aggressiveness. And he was doing that. He had a command of the ring. He used an effective jab. And uh, he put those combinations together. I thought he'd be a little more effective with landing some shots. But as I said, I think uh, to give Canelo Alvarez credit, he was evasive. He was doing some good counterpunching. And he was in that fight throughout the fight. Uh, he could have turned it around. He came up with some big shots at times. But Triple G's got a granite chin. Let's give this guy credit, too. They both had good chins. And uh, I, that's why I say the second fight, uh, I hate to put it like this, but the gloves come off. And I think uh, I think we'll see even a better fight the second fight. But I don't think it'll end any differently other than Triple G will win the fight. Uh, just, and you know what, Bill? Another thing. Sorry, I just don't want to forget. They got to do this fight right away. They can't wait. It's got to be within six months, as you suggested. It's got to be within six months. And they cannot fight any other opponent in between. No, no way. They got to go right back to the, to the well and they have to fight each other while it's exciting, while it's in the in the, in the forefront, and while they're both in in, in shape. And they got to do this within four to six months. I I agree, and I also want to add that they should do it outside of Las Vegas. As a matter of fact, yes, uh, ding, with ding, the ding. Nevada State Athletic Commission and the gutless, spineless piece of garbage known as Bob Bennett, uh, they should uh, f- promoters should move out of Vegas. They, uh, forget Vegas, you know, and until he's gone. Until they're back to where they were, but but even with all that said, don't count on it because uh, I, I don't see it happening quickly. Just uh, we got a bunch, and I mean a bunch of emails to read I bet uh, to we get do. everybody's uh, opinion here. But let me just get everyone else caught up on the rest of the fights uh, that took place uh, this uh, past weekend. The co-main event on that card: JoJo Diaz improved to twenty-five and zero with thirteen knockouts when he won a unanimous decision over Rafael Big Bang Rivera, who drops the first fight of his career. He's twenty-five and one now with a couple of draws. Two judges had it: one nineteen, one hundred nine. One had it: a shutout: one twenty, one hundred eight. In the fight that impressed me the most, aside from enjoying the main event, Diego De La Hoya improved to twenty and zero with nine knockouts. Uh, when he uh, won a unanimous decision over former world champion Randy Caballero. Uh, the judges scored it uh, two at 98-92, one at 100-90. Uh, Caballero drops uh, uh, to 24-1 uh, and one with 14 knockouts. Diego De La Hoya had never faced an, an opponent with the uh, caliber of the caliber of Caballero, and he uh, definitely impressed me. And uh, kicking off the uh, event, uh, Ryan Blue Chip Martin improved to 20 and over 11 knockouts uh, when he, in my opinion, squeaked by a win uh, with over uh, Francisco Rojo, who drops to 20 and 3. 98 96-93, 95-94, if anything. I agree with the judge that had it 95-94. I thought Rojo might have uh, won that fight, but uh, uh, the judges uh, thought otherwise. Uh, some other fights uh, that took place uh, outside of that card, uh, Billy Joe Saunders uh, beat Willie Monroe to improve to 25-0 and with 12 knockouts with a 12-round decision. Monroe loses the third fight of his career. He's now 21-3, 117-111, 117-112, 115-114. Also on that card, Anthony Yarde, an unbeaten heavyweight, 
uh, took care of Norbert Nespati uh, after uh, three rounds uh, to improve to 13-0 with 12 knockouts. Um, some other fights uh, uh, in the uh, uh, World Boxing Super Series, Super Middleweight uh, opener, Callum Smith improved to 23-0 and uh, when he won a 12-round decision over Eric Sokolin, who drops his first fight of his career. He's 26-1 and now. Uh, on that one, 112, 117, 110. Uh, I'm sorry, 116, 112, 117, 110, and 117, 111 were the scores in a card on a card that featured uh, some great little guys fighting. Um, former uh, or current IBF junior flyweight champ Milan Melendo improved to 37 and two when he retained uh, his title over former two-time champ Hiki Budlar. Uh, with a split decision, Budlar drops to 31-3. and three. Uh, Also, in the uh, junior welterweight division, Jason Paraga improved to 40-2 and two with a draw uh, when uh, he and James uh, Onyango uh, fought to a draw. Onyango uh, is now 23-11-2. In the junior bantamweight division, uh, Jonas Sultan uh, improved to a 14-3 and three with nine knockouts when he won a 12-round decision over John Real Casimiro who drops to 24-3. and three. And in the Bantamweight division, King Arthur Villanueva improved to 31-2 and two, uh, when uh, he uh, battered Richie Menoprom, uh until he couldn't come out for the fifth round. Menoprom drops to 31-7. Uh, and seven. Uh, So that was some other uh, uh, important fights, at least in my opinion, that took place uh, uh, this past weekend. Uh, get you caught up on... Uh, uh, oh, jeez. Sal, you should have reminded me. I got to take a break. Uh, I so, was going to uh, remind you. Uh, I was going to raise my any, hand. Don't go anywhere. As we will be back in two. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, we got a bunch of uh, emails to read, as you would expect. Uh, but uh, one, one other thing I wanted to add, Sal. Um, the commentating crew for HBO was pitiful. Um, You know, I mean, everybody knows I can't stand Mario Ranallo and everybody from Showtime except for uh, Al Bernstein. But HBO on Saturday, their pay-per-view crew was just horrific. And, you know, Roy Jones, I'm just so sick of seeing his face. And, you know, everything's about Roy Jones. It makes me sick. Um, the other jaboni they brought in uh, to work the behind the scenes. They didn't even know their names. Yeah, I mean, it looked like he never even was involved in the sport. Uh, and Max Kellerman, he's Max Kellerman. I mean, he is what he is. At least uh, he's consistent. I like but, Max. But yeah. Jim Lampley, he's got. What, he's done. This guy has done. lost the ability to call a fight. He. Yeah, it it was that. terrible. It was terrible. He lost the ability to call a fight he lost let me say it again he lost the ability to call a fight 
All he did was look at the punch stats and respond based on those stats, which, by the way, are subjective. You can't go by the two idiots punching in their, in their computer and call it as if it's statistics. I'm sorry. Everybody goes with the punch stats too much, Sal. And Jim Lampley, uh, what the hell's keeping him on? He's like a tooth that you just can't yank out, man. You know, he, he was, to his credit, he was one of the best at one day uh, in, in his time. And uh, he was very, very good when he was objective enough to give uh, his opinion. Uh, he had a good knowledge, a good base of fighting and boxing and, and how the scores uh, should look like and what the what the fighters were doing and what they can perceive, what needs to be done. I mean, he had a pretty good overall grip on the game. Uh, but I think he's been influenced heavily by these uh, uh, cronies that are, are deciding what are they going to do for ratings, what are they going to do for here, pass the torch over here, do that, do this, and listen to the punch taps, give this credibility. So when you nullify one's ability or so, it's going to be lesser of a, of a program you get. And that's what it, it's obvious that that's what's happening right now. Yeah, he's got to go. Um, NFL football. They should Monday bring night. you and I in there, Bill. Yeah, Unbelievable. Mon- yeah. Monday night football. <laughs> Uh, Lions topped the Giants 24-10. Matthew Stafford, 15 out of 21, 122 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Eli Manning, statistic-wise, had a decent night. 22 out of 32, 239 yards and a touchdown, uh, which uh, this loss now uh, total for New York football teams 0-4 to start the season. Pathetic. Not good. Um, We got uh, some emails. The first one I got to read was one that I uh, received on Friday morning. We didn't do a show on Friday, um, but uh, this one's from my man Christian. And he says, Sup, Billy C. Sup, Sal. He says, I'm surprised I haven't heard anyone predict predict a draw. He says, I'm predicting a majority draw with one judge scorning for Canelo on a wide margin. Because yeah. Golden Boy promotions tend to do that. A draw is probably a better result than one or the other winning a decision because we'd get a rematch, hopefully, and boxing will gain a slightly higher following. It would be nice to see one guy knock out the other, but I don't see it happening in this fight. Anyway, my prediction, majority draw. Congratulations, Christian. Wow. Not only did he call a draw, he it was a split decision draw, but I'll give him that. Um, but I love the part where he says, I'm predicting a draw with one judge scoring it for Canelo on a wide margin. And that's exactly what happened. Christian Stevens, you are the man. And uh, I uh, wanted to give him props. And the, the bottom line is Christian had submitted this time stamped uh, um, at wow. uh, actually he sent it late, late Thursday morning. So Thursday, September 14th, 11, 10 a.m. Uh, was wow. where it was. Uh, I didn't get it till Friday, but uh, uh, congratulations on Christian calling that one. Uh, Jesse says, hey, Billy C. and Sal. Well, Billy, I didn't watch the fight live completely, but watched it again Monday. And sorry to say this, but I had Canelo winning uh, rounds 2, 6, 8, 9, 11, and 12. Nine uh, rounds. Uh, oh, 2 to 6, he says. Uh, nine rounds, but I had 10 as a toss-up, so I didn't score that one. Early, Canelo was standing in the pocket and landing crisp punches. Canelo was slipping the punches, moving good, and countering with clean shots. Overall, Canelo landed the clean, effective punches in those rounds I scored. Triple G, if you're going to use your chin as a defense, 
you better connect with powerful punches on the face and body like Ch- Chavez Sr. Uh, Triple G didn't throw enough and missed so many with Canelo rolling and moving body his body to avoid the punches. Maybe Bird scoring is not so crazy. The not uh, It's not the fight I expected. I was expecting more fire exchanges. I know Canelo backed up a little bit more than expected, but Triple G was chasing him, not cutting off the ring uh, more than before. Um, hey, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but like I said earlier, Sal, I felt that uh, Triple G was ex- it was cutting the ring off. He certainly wasn't just chasing him around. But uh, this is the point, subjectivity. You know, we can all watch the same fight and all have different feel uh, for those types of punches. You know, does one solid punch equal how many jabs that lands flush? You know, uh, when somebody throws a punch and a a fighter rolls with it and it slightly connects, does it score? I mean, these are all based, it's all subjectivity. There is no rule that says, yes, you must score it. No, you must not. There's no rule in place. No, it's, it's true. And, you know, that's why it's so subject to one's opinion. What do you think about if they, if the judges had in front of them uh, that they could refer to or look at the perfect picture if they got a TV monitor alongside the ring? Would that uh, take away from something or would that add to something? So you know, they could see the best position of the fight through a TV monitor you know, as we do in the public. You know something? I have brought that up on shows from years gone by. And, and here's the thing. It's a catch-22. Because when you're live, you know, most sports now with the technology, camera, ISOs, all that stuff, um, you can almost watch a a sporting event better at home. You got the replays and everything else. And the atmosphere in the live event. However, boxing is different. You watch boxing live, especially ringside, and you see those shots, feel those shots, hear those shots way better than you do on TV. But with that said, I think there is an argument, a, a justifiable argument um, that would take the judges out of ringside and put them in uh, an area, a room, so to speak, that they can look at the best camera shots, look at replays, not hear crowd noise, not hear commentating, just the fight in silence. I wonder if the uh, judging would become uh, more uh, uh, even. And the other thing you would get is you would get the judges seeing the same fight from the same angle. So maybe it's time, Sal. Maybe it is time to, uh, to do that because... Um, and the, the, the funny part is the judge who's getting criti- criticized the most and who was out there trains new judges according to the spineless gutless piece of garbage <laughs> bob bennett she's know. the one conducting I, I judging that. seminars in nevada so i mean come on come on no it, it, it's it's crazy but i could see that you know there'll be another benefit to that they'll free up three ringside seats there you go there, there you, you go. go and uh, you know what why not have it like a you got three judges have it like a little jury every round they should have to agree on two to by two to three margin. Well, no, I don't and, want that. I don't want huh? them all to agree on the same thing. I, no, I do no, want. But what I'm saying is, if you have three judges, you know, it's a quick debate uh, in between rounds. They got a minute. Uh, they can do their own 
individual testing and, and, and looking at their scores. But at the end, before the next round starts, maybe they got to come up with a two to three win of which of the two, three judges uh, said, hey, this round went to this guy and here's why. They'll each have their opinion going in, but maybe there should be a two out of three. And one final card, one final score. You know, if they got together and they said, hey, I saw this, you saw that, but here's what we saw together. And uh, they have, well, he won the first round. Documented, documented. At the end of the fight, they'll have one score from the three judges because they had two out of three decisions. That defeats the purpose. I um, know. I'm just reaching, you know, Bill. Knocking I'm out, knocking I'm out looking, the other, uh, I, knocking out the other ones was tried in the amateurs. But uh, listen, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where? back you're watching and listening to the billy c show hey uh we've been trying to simulcast on facebook but i uh, guess facebook live has changed their whole operation i guess they're copying off of uh, youtube and just don't notify anyone so uh we may not be doing facebook anymore so we'll be dealing with uh what we got here and and by the way fyi if in the future you have uh, some streaming issues if you watch live uh via the youtube stream uh fear not we are, um, because we're required to back up uh, the shows uh, for the television networks, we will upload any um, streams that don't happen. We will upload them later in the day, so uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. I'm here with my man Sal Rocky Senecola, and we're reading a bunch of emails um, for final thoughts on uh, Triple G Canelo. This one's from Rick. Rick, he says, uh, damn, Billy C., you called it. At first, I thought you were being a bit harsh on the Vegas judges when you asked during one of your shows if Triple G could get a fair shake and get win a decision. I don't usually run and cry robbery, but that 118-110 score for Alvarez was absolute was about as questionable as scoring as I have seen since the fifth round of Lewis Holyfield. It was still a great fight, though, and I thought Canelo closed out the last round strong. I also felt Triple G probably lost his fight to Danny Jacobs, so it took a bit of the sting uh, out of this bad decision. Now, Rick sent me a follow-up email, and uh, he says, uh, Hey, Billy C. and Sal, I got to say, after re-watching the fight, and this is what I was saying, Sal, you, you need to rewatch the fight. Yes. Uh, he says, uh, I thought it was much closer and could see someone scoring at a draw or even a point in favor of Canelo. That 118-110 oh. score was still ridiculous, though. I originally uh, watched the fight through a live stream on my phone, uh, and the feed was pretty crappy. Last night, I had a chance to watch the replay on high and in high definition on my TV. Canelo looked like he was landing all the flashy, eye-catching punches while Triple G was stalking him around the ring. And anytime Triple G did land a good shot, Canelo would play to the crowd and shake his head like, you didn't hurt me. 
Uh, there were even a couple of rounds I thought Triple G was winning that Canelo was able to steal with one or two well-timed punches, like round nine, for example. I also thought that Triple G was winning round five or six when he had Canelo on the ropes, but Canelo fought his way off the ropes and actually backed Triple G up all the way across the ring. As for a rematch, I think that'll play into Canelo's favor. He definitely looked like the younger, fresher fighter, while Triple G looked like his usual self, but ate a lot of punches that never seemed to hurt Canelo. But ate a lot of punches, and oh, and he never seemed to hurt Canelo is really what he meant. Uh, aside from the constant pressure Triple G was putting on him, it was Canelo who looked like the more relaxed fighter in there. Triple G seemed a bit surprised by Canelo's power and even, even a bit discouraged that he couldn't really hurt him along the ropes. If you ask me, Canelo's stock went up after this fight, not Triple G's. It definitely appears to me that Triple G looks less and less impressive every time he steps up in competition, going back to his fights with Jacobs and the welterweight from England who got his eye socket busted, Kelbrook. Uh, he says, I think if Ch Triple G was fighting 10 years ago against the likes of Hopkins, Jermaine Taylor, Kelly Pavlik, or other true middleweights, he would have had a lot of problems. Um... I don't know. My thoughts on this email, Sal, is first and foremost, I think Triple G would have been effective in any era as a middleweight. I, I do think that he's good enough to, to be in the discussion with uh, some other, uh, uh, you know, great uh, or good to great uh, middleweights. As far as the fight, um, I, I can see Rick's point. Canelo did counterpunch well. Um, but I thought that Triple G landed the punches that hurt Canelo more than Canelo landed the punches that hurt Triple G. I also agree that Canelo might have stolen a couple of rounds, and Triple G's corner said that to him, said don't let him steal these rounds, you know, uh, when he was coming on strong at the end. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, no fighter should let a punch, uh, let a, another one hit them. And Triple G does at times seem to let fighters hit him. And I'm not so sure he's doing that willingly or he just can't get out of the way. Uh, as far as being fresher, I thought that Canelo ran out of the gas. Although he came on strong in the two, last two rounds, I thought it was him that ran out of the gas. I saw the same methodical punch output and approach from Triple G after the third round. What, what's your thoughts? Well, I tend to look at the same fight and I, I I agree I think you know whether Canelo ran out of gas or it was actually Triple G's effective uh, punching that was taking some steam and slowing him down that's what I thought it was uh, because that's the, those were the middle rounds where Triple G actually did land some good solid shots and uh, I think that Triple G had more of an opportunity to land those heavier blows uh, that he did not take advantage of. But he did slow Canelo down in those middle rounds. He landed some good shots on him. And, yes, I think he took Canelo Alvarez's best shots, and he still kept coming. So he may take unnecessary punches, uh, and I know that no fighter needs to really do that, but uh, he, he, he was a lot slower, too. I'm going to be honest with you. Canelo Alvarez was quick. He was fast. He was faster in his delivery, faster in being evasive, rolling with the punches, slipping his punches. Uh, and his speed was definitely on his side, and that's why he did not get knocked out. Listen, I, I said it for months. I said it for years, and I made a big point about it for this fight, and I'll say it again. Canelo's weakness 
is the fact that he can't land effective punches while on the move. If he could, like all great fighters that are fast and have movement and can counterpunch, if Canelo was able to hit effectively on the move, he would have won this fight hands down. But because he had to plant and, and basically think before he let power go, um, where they would inflict some damage on Triple G, by the time he did it, Triple G already changed the pace of that particular uh, you know, section of the fight, that, that, that swap of punches. While he's planting his feet, getting ready, Canelo, Triple G's throwing the punches. So, I, you know, that was the weakness of the fight, Sal. I said it many, many times, and I didn't really expect it to be so prominent as it was on Saturday night, but let's call a, a, a spade a spade. It was prominent. The fact that Canelo can't land effective punches on the move basically should have cost him this fight. It should have, and uh, I thought it did because, uh, like I said, I I look at the fight, and I, I still see Triple G as the winner of that fight. And uh, uh, Canelo, I'll tell you to his credit, Canelo performed better than I even thought he would. And uh, uh, I called the fight differently going into the fight. I thought that Triple G would have slowed him down and stopped him in the later rounds. Um, and Triple G did take over the middle rounds. I thought that he was more effective with being aggressive and landing some good shots. But Canelo, to his credit, I'm telling you, he did win those last two rounds. He came back. He was a fighter. They both had heart. They both had punching. They both had uh, the desire to win. And that's why a rematch is going to be probably a, even a, a better fight than this one was. Uh, some more emails. This one's from my man Oliver out of Miami. He says, hey, Billy C. and Sally, just want to say hello and say what a great job with the show. I had some questions regarding uh, last Saturday's main event. The three judges for the fight, how many fights and title fights had each judge had before Saturday's card? And do you think a time like this, is it possible to start, is it possible to find, start, uh, find, start, I would think that maybe you mean uh, fine-tune, fine-tune, uh, start regulating boxing outside the hands of corruption and ill-trained judges. Um, I get your gist, Oliver, and uh, first and foremost, from an experience point of view, all of the judges that were assigned had substantial title fights under their belts. I mean, I think the lowest one, if, if my memory serves me correctly, was 40 uh, title fights and the highest one being about 115. So I think that, you know, from from their record-wise, they were all there. Um, as far as uh, getting corruption out, you know, corruption in boxing has been, uh, has gone together like peanut butter and jelly for 300 Synonymous. years. I mean, uh, the, the reason why it's so easy to influence the sport of boxing is because you only got two guys. You know, you got three judges and a ref. So there's four and two fighters. You know, so there's six people involved, unlike a, a team, you know, where, uh, you know, you might uh, get to a quarterback to throw that last interception to keep the points where you want. I mean, yes, it's all possible. Um, you know, but in boxing, I, I think what we need is something that you alluded to, uh, Oliver, at the end of your email. I, I think that the training process just like I say that there's not enough good teachers for trainers anymore, we have a lot of rah-rah men, I think the same is with the judges. When you look at some of these judges and referees who, in my opinion, are complete garbage, getting accolades from commentators, 
like, you know, Joe Ortez, uh, Joe Cortez, I'm sorry, uh, Joe Cortez, one of the worst, uh, you know, referees in the history of the sport, uh, a Hall of Famer. Now, he teaches other referees. You know, you got, uh, uh, you know, judges like uh, the one this past weekend. Uh, you have other judges who have been, you know, uh, uh, reprimanded many times, and then you find out that these are the judges teaching new judges. I, I mean, you know, it's time to, to regulate, make it a little harder to get involved in the sport from that point. If you're going to be a referee, if you're going to be a judge, if you're going to be a trainer, uh, you're going to have to go under some kind of training, and the training has to be created, a training course, so to speak, for each of these has to be created uh, well thought out, not just paying the price. I say this all the time. I've never trained a fighter. I know boxing, of course, but I've never trained a fighter. But guess what? If I paid a $25 at a weigh-in, I could be the head trainer for that fight with no experience sure. as a trainer. And that's the sad truth. You know, it sad is. Truth. It is. You know, I could be, anybody could be a manager by never managing a, a fighter in their life if they pay the price, you know? So, That's right. got another email. This is from your buddy, man, uh, Captain Mikey Rella, Cutman Rella. Hey, Mike, how you doing, buddy? And uh, he says, uh, what's up, Billy? I just wanted to set, check in with you and my man, Sal. I thought Triple G won the fight against Canelo, but uh, he could have made it a lot easier on himself. He'd thrown more body shots when Canelo was against the ropes instead of headhunting like he did. Canelo body, Canelo's body was right in front of him to be hit. Also, I think if the fight was three years ago, Triple G would have stopped Canelo. He looked slightly past his prime against Alvarez. He had a lot of trouble against Danny Jacobs, too. Speaking of Danny Jacobs, you could see me work in his corner in November against a TBA opponent. Uh, thanks again for another great show. Uh, Mikey Cutman Rella. So, uh, yeah. Thank you so uh, He much, saw it the Mike. way you saw it, Sal, uh, pretty yeah. much. Uh, it should have worked the body a little more. I, I agree with the Cutman. Me too, and I, I think uh, that was one of the things that, that was definitely was missing from uh, Triple G's arsenal. He should have definitely thrown some more body shots. And they were even commentating, I think it was Lampley, saying that maybe he was too respectful or, or too afraid of getting hit with some shots of, of uh, Canelo Alvarez in, in the head. But, uh, you know, you're, you're a fighter. You're a pro. You slip him, you block, you boom. You got to get in there. He could have slowed and he could have made the fight a little more dominant. Uh, I think if he landed and tried to land some more body shots from the outside working in. Well, and uh, that's that's that was what was missing. I agree with uh, Captain Rella right there. And uh, you take care and good luck with Danny Jacobs in November. We'll look forward to hearing that. And also tell my friend Johnny I said hello. You know, uh, Danny Jacobs is looking better and better as time goes on. He is. And, and you know, I, I, w I would have to strongly disagree with you. I didn't hear one correct thing out of Jim Lampley's mouth on Saturday night. He's, he's pathetic, pathetic. You're giving him uh, too much credit. My man uh, Mitch says, uh, Billy C., Bob Bennett. Ugh, Bob Bennett, this, the gutless, spineless <laughs> piece like, of garbage from the Nevada He says, Bob Bennett, the executive director uh, of the Nevada State Athletic Commission, came to ringside after the fight to address the controversy of Bird's scorecard. He said, and I quote, Adelaide, in my opinion, is an outstanding judge. Uh, she's done over 115 title fights and or elimination bouts. She's done a great uh, deal of our training. She takes a lot of judges under her wing. I think being a judge is very challenging. Unfortunately, uh, Adelaide was a little wide. I'm not making any excuses. 
What, she gained some weight? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think say, she's whoa, an outstanding judge, and in my opinion, sometimes you got a bad day. She saw the fight differently. It happens. Um, thanks for the quote, uh, Chip. Uh, you know, uh, the bottom line is Bob Bennett is terrible, and so is uh, uh, Ms. Bird. Uh, my man, Coach, has got an email. I love hearing emails from Coach because uh, he's uh, always right on. He says, uh, hey, Billy C., I'm looking for your thoughts after Nevada State's boxing shameful approving of a 49-0 and undefeated former champion fight against a boxing pro debuter for a fake record earlier this month. I thought last week's Superfly card had boxing lined up for a fresh start, especially with this week's three-year marinated Canelo Triple G card uh, right behind it. Instead, with a proverbial butt, after watching the best versus best sold fight, I have to see the Nevada State Boxing Commission and the boxing powers appear to smear their grubby, corrupt fingers all over it. Once again, we had Bob Bennett, that gutless, spineless piece of garbage <laughs> from Nevada, uh, state <laughs> boxing hierarchy, having the opportunity to give the sport a nudge in the right direction with the Pacquiao-Bradley suspect decision still fresh in mind. Instead, we get a one-step up two steps back failure leaving saturday night's inept nonsensical split decision draw the talk of the town instead of the fight itself first and most importantly what's your opinion of the fight then on now existing totally unnecessary and very preventable uh controversy that surrounds it my thought of the fight was that it was a good fight um i, I thought that uh i thought triple g won the fight i i mean I thought that he landed uh, more punches, and he did land powerful punches. I do think that Canelo uh, did have a very successful night counterpunching Triple G, uh, and I think he did stun Triple G a couple of times to the body. Never to the head, but to the body. Um, yeah. but, uh, but, but I thought that Triple G clearly won the fight. Even after watching it twice, uh, I still had uh, Triple G winning uh, this fight, and I think it's sad that that spineless piece of garbage known as Bob Bennett of the Nevada State Athletic Commission uh, even uh, had the balls to uh, to to give uh, uh, Ms. Bird uh, any accolades after the fight. He subsequently has suspended her or relieved her of her duties to reboot, as he put it, uh, but uh, it wasn't enough. It ruined the fight, and uh, it just gives Canelo another chance uh, at beating Triple G. If I'm Triple G, I don't even, I, like I said Saturday, I don't even know if I give him the rematch. You know, move on. Go beat, if I'm Triple G, I go beat Billy Joe Saunders and retire at, with all the belts. You know, that's what I would do. But uh, Well, that's an interesting, interesting play right there, Bill. And uh, I think that would be definitely a, a, a direction he could choose to take. Uh, I don't think he will because I think, you know, he's he's got a little bit of an ego too. And I think... Uh, he uh, wants to give what the fans are going to call for, and the fans are going to call for a rematch. So, but I, I could see that playing out on on your level where what you said that would be a decent map out for his his exit strategy, because he's only got about another two or three fights good in him. I got one. Uh, let's see, one, two more emails here. Um, this one's from my man Jeff from uh, Bethel, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Bethlehem. 
Uh, yes, speaking today. He says, uh, Billy, I won't even discuss the 118-110 scorecard. We all know that was a joke. It was an enjoyable fight. I thought Canelo was fading away, but he did hang in there and even finished quite strong. This email is to discuss Max Kellerman telling Triple G in the audience that it was solely up to him to make it a war. Why is this? We know Triple G is known for stalking and overpowering, but we also know that this cannot work against every opponent. The problem I have with this is thinking it gives close or low-action rounds to the opponent because surviving is looked upon as winning. It's up to both fighters to make it a war. Canelo talked big on Mexican fight style, going toe-to-toe and even talking KO. He, and By the way, he even said, I, I want to make this a, a fight. It all depends on on Triple G. Is he going to dance with me? That Canelo said that, you know, but uh, yeah. anyway. He says uh, his style on Saturday was meant to win a decision, survive through 12 rounds. I agree with that. He says, uh, I love both fighters, but why should Max give Canelo rounds based on surviving Triple G's onslaughts? When Canelo chose to throw, he was every bit of as effective as Triple G, but the backward movement was clearly a result of feeling the punches and pressure. Uh, Canelo took Triple G's punches well as Triple G took Canelo's. But that alone shouldn't win the rounds. The fighter forcing the pace should receive credit for making the fight. Thanks for the post-fight show. It's always appreciated. Well, thanks for the email. Very, uh, very good email. Uh, Max Kellerman, you know, I I thought it was pretty obvious that HBO was siding with Canelo. And I find that kind of strange uh, since Triple G has been loyal to uh, HBO for, for quite some time. And uh, I thought, oh, listen, the whole commentating crew of HBO sucked. I mean, Roy Jones is done. I can't even listen to him anymore. Moro Mor- Ronaldo is still the worst ever. Um, but Roy Jones and Lampley and, uh, um, you know, Max Kellerman are, are, are becoming very painful to listen to as well. Uh, so, yeah, it's time for a change. It's time for a change. One last email. Uh, this one is from uh, my man Dan. And uh, Dan is back uh, covering uh, some stuff for us, so you can check out his column up on BillyCBoxing.com. He says, uh, Billy C, Triple G, Canelo was a good fight. Don't know what that one judge was watching. I thought uh, Triple G shaded it. 118-110 was a joke. Commission needs to look at that judge. On the plus side, just heard the news that Rigondeaux Lomachenko is happening. I'm so excited for this fight. This is a purist fight. There's no doubt about that, Dan. Uh, we will be talking about some fights that uh, were uh, uh, added. Uh, and uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I'll mention some right now. Uh, Deontay Wilder um, and uh, Luis Ortiz is uh, officially set, uh, which is uh, a good thing. Uh, that fight is officially set uh, for uh, November 4th uh, in New York uh, at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Uh, which is uh, which is good, man. I, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to that fight. We'll talk more about it in detail tomorrow. Um, they're having a official announcement uh, in New York City on Wednesday. Uh, but uh, Deontay Wilder, 38-0 with 37 knockouts. Luis Ortiz, quality fighter, definitely the best fighter that Deontay will have uh, faced. It'll be a big test for Wilder. Uh, the only thing I'm going to say, and and I don't want to make any excuses, Sal. But, no, but yeah, I know but, I was waiting for you to say I, I, I don't want to make any excuses but, but Luis Ortiz hasn't fought in a year and he's 39 years old but uh, the but, bottom line is it still will be an impressive win if Deontay can beat him uh, also uh, another fight we uh, just mentioned from the email 
uh, Lomachenko, Guillermo Rigandau is set December 9th uh, at Madison Square Garden. It'll be on ESPN, which will be uh, a good one. The uh, Wilder Ortiz is on Showtime. Uh, so uh, that'll be another good fight for us to keep our eyes open. And they finally announced the uh, super middleweight fight between uh, uh, Rob Brandt, 22-0, and 0, uh, against uh, Kazillion, uh, I guess he's at least 97 years old, Jurgen Brahmer, uh, will be taking, October, taking place October 27th. So we have that. Uh, one other thing I want to mention, did you hear, Sal, that, uh, and I know you're going to be psyched about this, but Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Uh, is uh, making a comeback. He's uh, going to be fighting again. And uh, uh, I know you're uh, excited about that ooh, one, huh? Ooh, I mean, uh, he's coming back. He wants to, he wants to fight uh, again. And um, they have him uh, slated to fight. Uh, where's What happened to me notes? What happened to me notes? Notes? Um, notes, eh? Uh, where is it? I guess I lost it. I guess I misplaced it. Oh, no, 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 no. He's making a comeback, taking on Anthony Durrell uh, in uh, November at Super Middleweight. How many chances does this guy get, Sal? I, you know what? I, I, I don't even want to watch him. I mean, he, he was a punching bag for Canelo Alvarez. Uh, not to the credit of Canelo Alvarez, but by the election of uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. He just laid there on the ropes, and uh, he was a target, and he was a punching bag. And that's what made uh, Canelo Alvarez look so good in that prior fight. At super middleweight. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. that's funny ab- about that. Uh, uh, Chavez Jr. said how drained he was, and <laughs> now he's fighting back. Another fight, I, and I don't understand why people— uh, jo- Joey DeWedgeco, um, he's 17-4-4. Four uh, he's taking on Demetrius Banks, who's nine and one in Philly. Uh, Joey uh, is from Philly. You know, I've I've called his fights. I've sat on a plane where we both almost got killed. It was the most horrific flight I ever took. Um, he, here's the thing: Joey Duedjko is is a decent fighter, um, but I think he's in the wrong weight class. He's short and fat. He's kind of got the physique of uh, Tony Galento, two-ton Tony Galento. If this guy could lose some weight, he would be a a top cruiserweight. If he could come in at 199, this guy, I mean, he's got a good jab and he's got some pop. He's 17-4 and 4 with 10 knockouts. Um, I, I just don't understand why the powers that be that surround him are keeping him in this division, Sal. How heavy does he weigh in usually about? About 230. Well, yeah, he could lose 30 pounds. I'm Easily. Sure he's, well, you, you got to do is look at him. He could definitely lose 30 pounds. <laughs> he looks like Humpty Dumpty, for God's sakes. You know, and, and I, I like him. Know, hey, good, whatever happened to Butterbean? He's a, he's a great kid. I mean, I, as from a personal point, I mean, he's a great guy. His father uh, works with him. I mean, great, great guys. Uh, but, uh, but he's in the wrong weight class. He's never going to compete. And he's not that tall. So he's never going to be able to compete with these Anthony Joshuas and Deontay yeah. Wilders and Luis Ortiz and these big, big heavyweights of today. You know, I mean, uh, you know, they're they're over six five. You know, to two hundred fifty pounds. You know, uh, you know, a guy that's five ten, five eleven, two thirty. That's you know, built like Humpty Dumpty is not going to fare well. He's just not, Sal. Well, uh, it's uh, I I'd like to see him fight and see what he does. But uh, I'll tell you what, um, I I could see him going to cruiserweight. 
I mean, uh, that's 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 inevitable. If he if he did choose to uh, get the uh, the uh, uh, I'm not going to plug any diet plan, so don't worry about it. <laughs> if uh, perhaps he was committed to losing some weight, he might be able to be uh, very effective as a cruiserweight. He's got the tools. I think I th- he's got a great jab, and he's yeah. got some pop. I don't think he would lose pop by losing the weight. Um, uh, you know, maybe he wouldn't. T- I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, he's been in some good fights. I, I just would like to see the guy. If the guy was in shape, I mean, he, he could be. Right now, all he is is an opponent. You know, they build up his record, and, and he's an opponent. I mean, that's that's the fact. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, Dax Khan is going to join us, and he's going to give us his final thoughts uh, on the uh, uh, Triple G Canelo fight. So uh, don't go nowhere. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching The Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, speaking of being with us, joining us right now to give us his thoughts, final thoughts, I should say, on the uh, Triple G Canelo fight is uh, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. Good morning. How's everybody today? I'm doing good. How you doing, Sal? I'm doing okay. Dax, welcome. How you doing there, buddy? I'm doing it, Sal. I'm doing the same as it was when we were speaking 20 seconds ago. Oh, what is, <laughs> nobody else knew we were speaking 20 seconds ago. So it was one like of these days, one of these days, you know, gonna, one of these days, you know what I'm going to do to you guys? Unmute you so everyone can hear what you say. <laughs> no, no, no. There's a lot of laughing no, and there's a lot of laughing and smiles going on. I'm watching. Let me tell you. But uh, that's what just had a lot of layers to get through. Uh, Bill, when he was passed out yeah. of the corona and all that stuff, drooling on myself. But uh, uh, so, what what <laughs> what you think of uh, the fight? You know, now I know we had the post fight show, and um, you know we've had a chance to digest it. I watched it again, and um, you know I know you're up on uh, all the social media. You've uh, heard and commented on comments. I mean, uh, what's your thoughts? Uh, you know, as a Monday morning quarterback. Well. As Sal and I were speaking, that was what we were speaking about. And I was, you know, I started to speak about on the post-fight show. You know, Triple G, because of what happened in Daniel Jacobs' fight, uh, because he, you know, took some shots from a very fast Kell Brook, and because this fight with Canelo was very competitive, you know, they're they're really down on him. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, he had to lose. You know what? Canelo is a genuine top pound-for-pound fighter. So, you know, for Triple G to just go out there and walk over him like he did a Matthew Macklin or something like that, you know, people would be saying different things. You know, they'd be calling it a dive. They'd come up with some other type of excuse. Um, A guy like um, the difference between Triple G and a uh, a Sergey Kovalev, let's say, which a lot of people are comparing Triple G to, saying, well, he was exposed by Canelo. See, what happened was Sergey Kovalev, like Triple G, was going and walking over guys, knocking them out. 
in, in devastating fashion. But you know what? When he met Andre Ward, what happened? The first fight was very close. Maybe Andre Ward didn't expect the power. Kovalev, he didn't expect Kovalev to be that good of a boxer, but he adjusted in the rematch. He knocked Kovalev out. Triple G has layers to him. He is not just a power puncher. He's a boxer. This is why he had so many amateur fights on that on that uh, international elite level, and he only had those handful of losses because he, the guy is able to do more than just punch. When you're in there and you're at that type of a level, you have to know exactly when to turn it on and when not to. And we've seen that with Daniel Jacobs, a guy who a lot of people, again, they expect the Triple G just to go over and uh, knock him out because of that knockout loss that Jacobs suffered earlier on in his career. But they forget Daniel Jacobs at that point in time was on a 12-fight KO streak. And Danny, you know, was the middleweight champion. And all of a sudden, you know, Danny Jacobs' stock went up. You know, but Danny Jacobs, you know something? His stock was always there. People just weren't paying attention to exactly how good of a fighter he was. You know, this is, you know, you say Monday morning quarterbacks. You know, those are the guys I call the front runners. You know, as for Canelo, uh, remember, against Erisani Lara, you know, he was there were scores of 113-115 uh, by um, Dave Moretti, who had it for Laura, and Jerry Roth had it 115-113 for Canelo, which is good. You know what? They're in the same ballpark. One guy favored something a little more than the other did, but you know what? They're in the same ballpark, 115-113. 13. You know, you know, they were both looking at the same fight. Levi Martinez, now he had it 117-111 for Canelo. There was no consistency there. Same thing when Canelo fought Floyd Mayweather. Uh, you know, uh, the scores with Floyd Mayweather were, um, I think it was 116-112 for Moretti, and I think uh, Craig Metcalf had it 117-111 for uh, Mayweather, and then C.J. Ross had it 114-114. Where did you come up with this? You know, uh, where? How, how could you have possibly given this a draw? You know what? What happens is this is what we see as in terms of we know who's selling. We know who's going to be the next big star. So, you know what? It's okay if he loses, but you know what? We don't want him to lose by a lot because with today's fans and this era of thinking, if he loses by a lot, all of a sudden he's not a good fighter. Box wreck. You know, probably the most um, referred to source by uh, the average fan because of their stats, even though they're not always the most accurate. When you look on there, they have Canelo as the pound-for-pound -pound best fighter in boxing today. And uh, they have Floyd Mayweather, and this is no uh, insult to Floyd because Floyd is an all-time great, but they have him as the greatest fighter of all time. Supposedly, they go on a point system, and that's how they come up with their uh, ratings, and it's all taken out of, of, of opinion. Now, you know, how can Floyd Mayweather, who only has 50 fights, have more quality? fighters and his point system be higher than an Archie Moore or than a uh, Sugar Ray Robinson who fought more champions. They fought for longer and they fought over 100 bouts more. You know, it's not. You know what it is? It's the fact that, you know what, Floyd Mayweather today being on there, that's going to keep bringing back the fans. That's going to make guys want to go there and say, oh, what? You know what? They only know Floyd. So, yeah, he's the best ever. That's why, you know what, this isn't a BS site. I'm going on there. They got the things right. Same thing for Canelo, and that's exactly what I see here. As far as, uh, you know, Dave Moretti and what goes on over in Vegas, they should be embarrassed. Truth of the matter is, Vegas forgets they weren't always the fight capital, and that can happen again. They're not going to remain the fight capital if this is going to continue. But the only people that can change that is the promoters. England has proven very much so that, you know what, they are capable of having these big, huge mega fights, drawing in the fans and generating the money. In New York, as the Barclays Center continues picking up steam, again, they are capable of taking that place that MSG used to have. So Vegas can actually lose their status in this mega fight uh, uh, area. Uh, California, there's uh, several venues in California that are putting on these mega fight shows. Uh, coming up with this uh, fight on, on the weekend with uh, uh, Jorge Linares, 
You know, Jorge Linares is a guy who spent, you know, the last few years of his career over in Japan and China because he fights out of the Taikin camp. But you know what? He's fighting over here. He's defending his title in California. That's showing, you know what? I can go on this side of the pond. I can go on that side of the pond. And you know what? I'm still going to be a star. And that's what we're going to see happen here. And that's what we're seeing happen with the uh, World Boxing Super Series. We have fights in uh, Texas. We have fights in, uh, in New Jersey. And these are guys that, you know, the American fans have never really seen before. So I think that we're going to see a big change. Change. And it's almost like, you know, when I see decisions like this with this 117 or uh, 110 score, it's almost like a last ditch effort to try and hold on to that one megastar we have because the rest of the sport is actually leaving and there's only two or three big American promoters now and as these two big American promoters start losing their fighters, the rest of these promoters start picking up steam and boxing is once again becoming an international sport more than just a regional sport which has become sort of a problem and in a way, you know, you want to sit there and uh, look at the cup half full, half empty. In my opinion this might be half full because this is going to sit there and kind of kickstart other promoters to say, you know what, we need to go other places besides Besides Vegas, because we're not going to have this. Um, uh, let me just say this. Uh, the reason why f promoters keep going back to Vegas is certainly not because they love the scoring there. The reason why they go there is simple. It's money. And the reason why I say money, it's because the casinos throw money at the promoters to bring the fight there. That's why they go there. You know, now Barclays Center, like you mentioned, is trying to get in the in the game. They are uh, bringing a, a lot of quality fights uh, to their venue, so maybe there is a changing of the guard, and I certainly hope so. But as far as your comment on uh, the big stars, let's keep them. You know, Sal, I want to ask you, as far as I'm concerned, and, and this maybe is what's wrong with the sport, and I know, Dax, you agree with me on this, but, uh, you know, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that stars should be made by based on their performance in the ring and based on the other fighters that they beat along the way. Um, you know, just because a fighter has a good record or just because a fighter has a big fan base and just because a fighter can generate money shouldn't be enough. Shouldn't their stardom come or at least start uh, inside the ring? In a perfect world, Billy, yes, it should their merits, their skill set, and their ability to, to win fights in, under different circumstances, yes, that should breed a star. And that should definitely have how it becomes evolving and, and recognized as a future star and as a current star. But as Dak suggested, and I, I agree, you know, this is all marketing. These are networks. These are cable. This, this, is, this is the stardom. They've got to ride the horses that win for the, 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 the fan base, um, and they promote that. And whether it's right or wrong, it's what sells. It's what attracts. It's what they do. And uh, Canelo Alvarez, being a younger fighter, uh, being a, a good, solid base fighter, having the fan, having the adulation that he does receive from, from uh, uh, countless fans, uh, he's more of a horse you want to ride as far as marketing wise he's he's got the longevity on his side he's got the the sizzle he's got the the appeal the look and uh even though i i i love uh triple g uh canelo alvarez is probably one that the networks want to bank on for future revenue future fights and i'm saying he's got a couple more years ahead of him triple g i think you know they got to look at passing the baton and how marketable is he 
Um, you know, there's a whole gamut and a whole formula these guys are using, but they really, they really just look at what is the best way to raise dollars and who are the most attractive fighters that we could push, that we could ride, that we could generate, that we could sustain to get the marketing dollars we need. Hey, hey, Dax, listen. You know, Sal is taking on this persona of trying to be a nice guy, trying to, uh, you know, disagree oh, with me. I, oh. I, don't, I don't know. Trying to be a politician, I, I really don't know. But facts are facts, all right? And, and here's a fact. If you want to take and try and sell and be marketable, all the things that Sal is trying to, you know, uh, tell me and tell everyone else that we already know, the problem is this. At the end of the day, it's pushing fans away. It's being counterproductive. And a great point is the fight from this weekend. We have all these marginal fans that have tuned in and bought this fight. These numbers are going to be good. When these pay-per-view numbers come out, and oh, yeah. by the way, I still haven't heard any official numbers from uh, Fayweather <laughs> and uh, uh, McGregor. But when these numbers come out, I think that they're going to do very well. But here's the problem. The fans that aren't diehard boxing fans that bought this fight, all walked away from this fight, Dax, saying the same thing. I will never buy another pay-per-view because of the outcome. So so the, it's counterproductive. You can't create a marketing, you can't create a fighter based on marketing and then expect people to keep throwing their money down. At some point, the performance has to back up the marketing. Listen, we've heard that so many times. We used to hear that with Tyson fights when Mike Tyson was the king of Never heard it with Tyson. Now everybody no, thought no, that no. they got their money's worth whether no, the fight no, was no. 5 How seconds or 5 minutes. Said, oh, you know what? This was only a, a four I paid $50 for 4 minutes. Now this is in the 80s no. for $50. You know, it was like $80 today. Pay-per-view is generated on the casual fans, not the die-hard fans, and that's why these certain types of fighters are the ones that sell. Um, you brought up a very valid point when you said, you know what, in Vegas these people come there because of what they're doing is these Casinos will throw money to the promoters to bring these fighters there. Sal brought up another uh, valid point about, you know what, how you're marketing guys. And you know something? We'll use a guy like Anthony Joshua, for example. The biggest thing that sells in boxing today is the O. If you brought in Anthony Joshua to Vegas, and let's say he went the distance with somebody, and he won an, in a similar situation like what happened last weekend, or he even got on the wrong side of the decision, all of a sudden Anthony Joshua is not as marketable as he, as he was before that fight. Maybe not even at home was he that marketable as he was before that fight, all because of a bad judge. And you know what? So these promoters are going to have to say to themselves, you know what? I got guys here, and I know that this one bad judge can sit there and totally take away my cash cow. So you know what? I need to go someplace else where I can somewhat make sure my guy gets a, a more fair share a more fair shake. Or you know what? If he loses, his opponent actually has to beat him, not somebody sitting on the side of a ring who's actually you know talking on their phone. I can sit there and say personally, how many fights, Bill, and you know as well, how many fight cards have you been to? And I'm talking about title fights where I've sat up on the ring and I'm taking pictures. I'm sitting next to a judge and I'm talking to a judge the whole time. I'm talking about two and a half minutes of a round. I'm talking to a judge. I'm watching him on his cell phone, texting and that. And these are world, uh, these wow. are world title fights. It happens wow. all the time. Wow. Yeah, maybe that's what Adderley wow. Bird was doing. That's what Talk happened. Maybe Adderley Bird was talking to other people during the fight, but... Uh, um, normally judges, judge. normally judges judge. don't even, normally judges like don't even say a word to anybody. They're they're He's, watching. He, he sat down, Bill, telling me about how much he liked our show. The yeah. whole time he sat there telling us how much he liked our show. Well, I, listen, the bottom line is you create 
marketing is important in any sport, and especially in boxing. You create a name you, you, through marketing. You create a, ma- a name, and at some point, that name has to fulfill what you've what you built up. And I, you know, I'm sorry. And and you you are right. I mean, the the pay per view, the diehard fans are going to buy them anyway. The pay per views are are you know mostly uh, made up of of the casual fan. That's why some of the numbers on great matchups aren't that great because they're just not marketed correctly. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, you know, to suggest that. A fighter, uh, a judge score for a fighter because he wants to uh, keep that fighter in, in, you know, in the mix. That's sad. And if we have judges that are doing that, if we have judges that are talking and chatting during a fight, uh, they can't be judges. Uh, you know, we wonder why we have so many black eyes in the sport. You know, it's uh, it's a shame. It's a shame. It happens. You know, as as far as uh, Triple G goes, you know, in terms of you know whether he's fading. And uh, his last couple fights where people are judging him harshly. Think about Roy Jones. As great as Roy Jones was, Roy Jones beat Bernard Hopkins early in his career. Who went on to have the better career? And overall, when you look back on it, Bernard Hopkins did. And why is that? Because Bernard Hopkins had layers to him. Roy Jones was a phenomenal athlete. And I say a phenomenal athlete because he was an okay boxer. He wasn't a great boxer. It's just his supernatural reflexes allowed him to do things that nobody else could do. We see that a lot with Manny Pacquiao when he was at his prime. Those reflexes allowed him to win so many of these fights. Now, when those reflexes faded, what happened is Roy Jones became rather ordinary. And um, for the last few years, he spent as an opponent uh, just looking desperate to stay in that spotlight. Triple G is a guy who, you know what, he just doesn't need that power. He can box. He has footwork. As far as the modern mentality of the fans, the same people that I seen on Friday or Thursday talking about whether it's in person or social media, on uh, how great Triple G is and all this amateur experience and how we can cut things off. Now, all of a sudden, on uh, Saturday night, just hours after the Canelo fight, he was overrated and he was exposed. I don't even think fans really understand what they're looking at, and I think that's going to hurt the um, the fight I'm excited for, and I think every real boxing fan is excited for, is the uh, Vassal Lomachenko and Guillermo Rigondeaux fight. Is These guys are going to be in there at such a high level and they're going to be boxing not only offensively but defensively to a point that the average fan of today, they're not even going to realize what they're seeing in there. Well, that's because that's of the marketing. Uh, they, those guys aren't marketed, you know, and, and the overexposed and everybody going by records and all of that. I mean, yes, a record is important, but just because you have an O doesn't mean you're good. I, I, I'm sorry. It, it just doesn't mean that. And it's a shame. It's a shame. But uh, – um, I, you know, I, there's no right or wrong answer. Do you think that the the rematch is going to happen? Do you think it has to happen? I don't think so. I, I really don't because you know the rematch. The only way that would happen is if Triple G really wants it, just out of personal satisfaction. Canelo doesn't need it. Golden Boy doesn't need it. You know, so it you know it doesn't have to happen. Would boxing like it to happen? Maybe I think it's really going to depend on these pay-per-view numbers on how big they are, whether or not people say to themselves, you know, something this is worth doing again. And that's going to make that decision up. You know, that's going to be the, uh, the decision in the long run. Now, you know, what, what is exciting, you know, is this weekend or the fights that are coming up. You know, that fight in Texas, that World Boxing Super Series, I'm so frustrated without this American TV. You know, Unier Dortico's against Dmitry Kudoshov. 
You know, these are guys, you know what, out of 43 fights, they have 42 wins combined with 42 knockouts. That's sensational. That's exciting. Why don't they have something on TV? You know, and these are the type of things that, as I'm stating on um, how, you know, boxing will become more international and these promoters would be able to draw the American fans across seas a little bit more if something like this happened. Now, also, the Willie Monroe versus uh, Billy Joe Saunders fight, this is a fight that, we, you know, was rivaling the the uh the Canelo versus um Triple G pay-per-view it was shown for free on YouTube and it was the most dreadful awful affair that I've ever seen in my life how can you sit there and uh you know be a middleweight champion and fighting for that other middleweight title that's out there, you know, with the opportunity for the winner to fight the winner of the supremacy pay-per-view this mega fight and you're going out there and you're performing at subpar level. Uh, hey, hey Sal, do you yeah. think that this the rematch between Triple G and Canelo will take place. Do you think it will, or because Billy Joe Saunders is the guy? I mean, if Canelo goes and 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 looks for him next and should beat him, uh, you know, then he's gonna maybe want the rematch. And 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 Triple G is older. I, at this point, I don't know. I I, I think that um, the truth of the matter is 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 I, I I I'm not so sure that they will have a rematch. I. You know, I think it and the the problem I'm having is who's in the driver's seat. You know, Canelo's going to want to be in the driver's seat like he was last time. And I think Triple G should be. I think Triple G should should be, you know, stingy. I think he should be in the driver's seat. If not, I think he should move on. What do you think? I think he deserves to be in a driver's seat. And I, I think the fight should take place. And you know what? They both have something to prove. Um, and I I could see how Billy Joe Saunders could play as being the next fight for either fighter. Why would validate to do that? But I think these guys got to get back in the ring before they face another opponent. And I, I think so for a multitude of reasons. I think they should take it out of Vegas. I think that, hey, whatever happened, why don't they just have uh, a judge that represents the fighter's home country one judge each, and a domestic judge of where the fight's being taken place. There's three judges. All, you know, things should be done differently. They should have had a, a, a judge from Russia. They should have had a judge from Mexico. They should have had a judge from the United States. The home country and each of the, the, home, uh, each of the uh, other uh, countries where the, where the fighter is from. Sal, that's um, negotiations. That's negotiations, and that that's what uh, like a triple G should insist on, or something like that. Right, but I, right. I think this next fight, I, I don't think Vegas deserves it. Well, they say, oh, the commission is the one who points to judges. Yes, but you know, what? during yes. those negotiations, you can sit there and say, you know, uh, we're sitting there uh, negotiating a fight between South Senecola and Bill. See, that's where we sit there and say, you know, I'm representing South Senecola. This is what's going to happen. We're going to get a guy from St. Simon, Georgia, judging. We're going to get a guy from up in Queensbury, New York, judging. And then we're going to get a guy from Vegas, judging. If not, I'm going to tell you what, my guy Sal is going to fight somebody else, and Billy C can look for somebody else to fight, and that's how it's going to be. And I want that down in writing before my guy signs that contract. Well, either way, you know, a Good loss point. for both fighters uh, in a rematch, I don't think hurts either one of them. I mean, Triple G's on his last legs in terms of his career. Uh, you know, I think uh, I'm a fan of Triple G, and I, and I don't see the same Triple G I saw a few years ago. And Canelo, should he lose, does not affect him. He's 27, 28 years old. He's still a quality fighter, still one of the biggest names, if not the biggest name in the sport. So, uh, you know, 
to me, I think a rematch is justified. But if I'm Triple G, I definitely don't conform to all of the uh, no. uh, requirements that Canelo's going to want. And if he doesn't, you know, lay it on the table now. If, he, if he's not going to play, then move on. Get Billy Joe Saunders because uh, Triple G uh, closing a career with a win over Billy Joe Saunders. He's got all the belts. He could say, you know, uh, F you to everybody and walk away. That, that's what I would do, guys. Interesting. That's a, that's a hell of a scenario and a hell of a uh, chapter to close a, a beautiful career on. And, I, you know, Bill, it might just be in his cards. I don't know. Fight someplace else, not Vegas, and sit there and say, you know what? If I'm going to go out with a genuine loss on my record, with a loss on my record, I want it to be genuine. I don't want it to be done by uh, incompetent judging. You know, before I go, Bill, I've seen a lot of people in the last two days actually complain about 2017 and say, you know what? This hasn't been a great year. There's been no big fights. Uh, and whether or not they were basing, uh, they were actually basing saying, you know, Triple G isn't really that big of a name. And this is what I mean about the, these casual fans that really don't know the sport. But when you look at Triple G and Canelo, Triple G, Jacob, you had Gonzalez versus Rungvisi twice. You had Cruz versus Frampton. Uh, Yusik Huck, that whole World Boxing Super Series, the Ward Kovalev, uh, Thurman Garcia. Now we got Charlo Lubin, Dortico's, uh, Lenores uh, Campbell coming up, Benavidez, Gavril, Lomachenko, Rigondeaux coming up. We got. Um, Klitschko Wild, I mean Klitschko Joshua happened. We have Wilder Ortiz coming up. Twenty seventeen has been a great year. Great year. Great year. I agree. No, I how can too. how can twenty eighteen even try possibly compete with it? No. Well, those are uh, any anybody that makes statements like that generally are are Floyd Mayweather cronies. I mean, really, that's what I have seen. Uh, you know, because anybody that doesn't think that twenty seventeen was arguably one of the best years in boxing in in a decade. Uh, hasn't watched any fights, that's for sure. But uh, Dax, no, this person was actually basing it off of the '80s. Well, I mean, the '80s was the was uh, the benchmark. The, well, I mean, and I say this all the time. If you would have asked me that in the '80s, I would have laughed at you. But uh, you know, as it turned out, uh, it was the last great era of the sport. You know, so uh, we're catching up. You know what? What do you, when you if we're going out to eat and somebody sits there and says, "Oh, I'm paying." Where do you want to go? Do you want to go to the nine ninety nine buffet where the fish is kind of suspect and that chicken still has feathers coming off of it because you can get as much as you want? Or do you want to sit there and go to that restaurant with that nice prime rib that's, and you know, the prime rib may be a little bit shorter. You, you may not, your stomach may not be as full, but you know what? It was darn good. Or you're going to be happy just eating a lot of that chicken, you know, and picking those feathers out of your teeth. I would go to the same place no matter what, whether I'm paying or you're paying, Dax. But you know what? You know what that place is? Sal's Restaurant Sal's in St. Simons. You know, so uh, anyway. No, my point is, you know what? You, you, you got it. What, what's there, the quality for now. Every error change, you know, and for this error, this year has been nothing but quality. Not every error can be the 80s. And in the 1980s, people were wondering what happened. Where was the 70s? Where was the 60s? Where was the 50s? So, you know, for these guys that sit there and talk about and say, they, I can't say that fighter so and so from 1950 was better than this, this fighter from today because I never got an opportunity to see them. Uh, there's not even any footage on YouTube. How can you sit there and say that you know that era was better than this one because you know what you weren't around to watch that era anyway? This is true. Every generation thinks the era before was better. So, Dax, great job, and uh, we'll look forward to you later in the week, my man. All right, everybody, enjoy your day. Take Dax, care. have a great day. That's Dax Khan. You can check him out uh, up on uh, our website, uh, BillyCBoxing.com. And uh, we're going to take a short break right now. And uh, when I come back, Sal and I will uh, talk about uh, some of those fights that we just mentioned and uh, maybe some other stuff. So uh, don't go nowhere. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy 
BC Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And um, just before we went to break, I I wanted to uh, talk a little more about uh, some fights we just talked about. But Foist, let me remind you guys that uh, tomorrow we'll be doing our Blast from the Past. It features Luis Manuel Rodriguez, a former world champion and boxing Hall of Famer. If you don't know about this guy, like, I'll be honest, he slipped my mind. And thankfully, uh, we got a request by one of you guys, the viewers, and listeners to uh, do a blast from the past on him. Uh, what a great fighter he was, and we will talk to you about him. Uh, also, a Boxing Hall of Famer and New Jersey Athletic Commissioner, uh, Larry Hazard will join us tomorrow as well. He did stop by uh, for our post-fight show on Saturday and uh, was telling us that there was a lot of concern about Ms. Bird um, for that fight, and uh, it turned out to be justifiable. Uh, and um, we're going to put... Uh, we're going to put Larry on the hot seat. I'm going to ask him, Sal, you know, uh, what would you have done if this was your judge? So uh, we're, going to, we're going to throw him on the hot seat. But uh, wow, um, in November, Deontay Wilder against Luis Ortiz, November 4th. What's wow. your quick thoughts on this fight? I think it's going to be a good fight. I think it's going to be a very good fight. Luis Ortiz is definitely a dangerous opponent, definitely a dangerous fighter that I think uh, – Deontay Wilder will have his hands full, and uh, we'll see a contrast in some styles, but we'll, I, I don't know, it's a good fight, I think Deontay Wilder, if he's, if he is marginally the, uh, the, the, the best fighter that he's, or the fighter that he claims he is, uh, should win this fight, but uh, Ortiz is going to give him all that he can handle. Well, Deontay Wilder claims he's the best heavyweight on the planet, which isn't the case. But I think I will give him uh, a lot of credit if he beats Luis Ortiz. Even though Ortiz has been out of the ring for a year, he's thirty, going to be 39 years old. Um, well rested. And, and in his last uh, uh, fight, he was uh, uh, pretty, uh, pretty flat. Uh, his last big win was against Brian Jennings, uh, where he demolished Jennings at the Turning Stone. I was ringside for that fight. Um, that was probably one of his best fights. I also called uh, a couple of uh, Luis Ortiz's fights when he first came here uh, to the States on LDL TV. So we got to see him uh, as a young fighter. Uh, he's a quality fighter. And even though he's old and uh, has been out of the ring, you know, I'm going to give Deontay Wilder credit. You know, Deontay, you know, Deontay Wilder fights one of two ways. And unfortunately, the second way, we've only seen him fight once. And that was a smart way where he utilized his, his height and reach and he implemented a jab and fought intelligently behind the trainer uh, that he has, which is a great trainer in Mark Breland. 
he uh, fought uh, Bermain Stavern. And we've learned that Stavern was extremely overrated, uh, but I still give Deontay credit. But aside from that fight, every other fight that he's ever fought, he's fought with the seek-and-destroy attitude that he's going to knock him out, he's going to overpower him, he's going to beat him, because he should, with the opponents, with the exception of uh, uh, Tor Spitzka, all of the opponents that they put in front of him were proverbial punching bags, and he struggled with some of them. It's going to be interesting to see how he fights Luis Ortiz. If he tries to overpower Ortiz uh, or if he fights a smart fight. Ortiz is a boxer. He's a Cuban fighter. Uh, the guy knows how to box. He's got hand speed. Um, you know, he's got some pop. He gets up for certain fights and other fights he doesn't. I would think he's going to be up for this one. It's an intriguing matchup, Sal. It is a good one. And, you know, it's one that we... Uh hinted on uh, wanting to see and guess what like i said 2017 if it hasn't been a reboot year i don't know what uh what fans are going to be looking for well but uh, i think it's going to be a good fight well and hopefully this fight will um set up the winner of uh, my man anthony joshua who's fighting his uh long uh, uh determined mandatory for the ibf and cuba pulov so you got uh uh, these two fights taking place, and we got to hope that the winner of each fight will face each other uh, sometime early 2018 to kick off 2018 to follow in 2017's footsteps. So, And then don't forget we got uh, Vasily Lomachenko against Guillermo Rigondeaux uh, December 9th. So we're closing the year pretty strong, Sal. We are, and like, like we said, boy, this this has been a very good year for boxing, and I, I only hope that 2018 could uh, mirror it at, at, at least, or at least, uh, well, hopefully it'll come close. Yeah, well, you know, time will tell. And, um, you know, this uh, fight this past weekend, um, you know, with the exception of the one scorecard, I think a lot of people would have accepted a draw. Um, I think that, you know, if if the other card was was even, if Ms. Bird's card was even, um, and and the fight was a majority draw, I, I'm not so sure people would have argued. Uh, I think that the the fact that her card was so out of whack, it, uh, it it clouded what otherwise was a really good fight, a competitive fight, and it's a shame. Because now the the Monday morning quarterback discussion about the fight is, uh, you know, robbery, 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 you know, uh, corruption. You know, you hear Teddy Atlas. It's corrupt. You know, um, is it corrupt or is it, uh, you know, inept? You know, uh, I, I just think that across the board, our quality of referees and judges are at an all time low. And uh, the sport needs to do something about that, Sal. I think you're right. And, uh, you know, just think about the outrage. Had it gone one way, we could have we could have uh, all expected to see Triple G win that fight. I mean, if that was the decision that was rendered and came down, we, we would have been happy with that. We would have validated that. We would have seen it because that's the fight I saw. Could you imagine the outrage if Canelo Alvarez won that fight? Yeah, I think there'd be a lot more criticism than even that draw. But, uh, I mean, that, that right there should tell fans, you know, which way that fight really should have gone. Uh, the judges and the judgeship that we have, 
maybe you know hey most judges in, in the real world uh they have to pass a bar exam they gotta be attorneys they got they got a history uh and i'm sure like anything uh when i was uh doing securities and and uh uh, my insurance license or my real estate license, we always had continuing education credits. The same thing happens with these judges. They have a continuing education process, and they have to validate and test. You know, maybe they got to do it on a more regular basis. Maybe, I don't know if they do it every year, but maybe they got to sit down with other panels, and they got to look at three questionable fights and, and look at how they render a decision on and why and validate it. They got to do something because, you know, you, you – it was just embarrassing to see Adelaide Bird come up with a decision of having the Canelo Alvarez fight that she saw, one eighteen to one ten. That that I can't validate that. I don't even know how she can, but I hope she's in the in the uh, grill seat right now talking about how she validated that fight. Listen, I, I I agree and disagree. First of all, I think that the fight was close. And although my scorecard had it 116-112, and then when I rewatched it, I had it 115-113 for, for Triple G, it was still close. 115-113 is still a close fight. It's a and, close fight. And there was a lot of rounds that were close. Specifically, I had two rounds that could have gone either way. And that makes the fight a draw. So I, I'm not so sure the outrage would have been, uh, yes, there would be a lot of people saying that Triple G won the fight if Canelo actually won. But I think what drove the outrage was the one scorecard that was out of whack. And I think there's an easy remedy. If we have to deal with all the garbage referees and judges we have out there today, there's one remedy that we could do that would pretty much help the judging. And that's put a specific criteria in place, an order of criteria in place. We have the judging criteria in place now. It's the order in which that criteria is judged is in question. For example, Adelie Bird very well may have felt that jabs don't equal a real punch. If that were the case, then you could see where 118-110 would be a score if she just threw out all the connected jabs that Triple G threw, regardless of the pop behind them. Um, That could very well have explained her scorecard so the order of criteria is critical and i think that if we were able to come up with a agreeable uh, agreeable upon order in which the judging criteria is judged a lot of these scorecards would be uh, a lot closer that's just my thoughts on that but um you know it is what it is again we're all playing monday morning quarterback we played post-fight quarterback on saturday and, um, you know, it was kind of somber. Um, but, uh, but you know, as you have a whole full day, two days to, to really, uh, you know, stop, think, watch, um, I, I don't think it's any, uh, any different. I, I think the bottom line is uh, Triple G's in the driver's seat. He should try to make the fight sooner than later. If Canelo's not willing to do it, then I, if I'm Triple G, I move on. I go directly after Billy Joe Saunders unify the, the belt once and for all and walk away. That's what I do if I'm Triple G, Sal. Well, I, you got that game book, man. I'm telling you what, that's a hell of a playbook. I like it. And you know what they'll do? Uh, Canelo Alvarez will, will have to call Triple G out of retirement to come back and, and face him because it'll be an ego thing. And uh, you'll you'll see, not, not, not in a Mayweather fashion, but you know what? You'll see Triple G going off into the sunset, retiring 
undefeated with all the belts. Canelo Alvarez being the new hero, uh, taking on and winning some of the belts that Triple G retired with and now are available for a champion. And then uh, they'll probably call Triple G back for for the for the, for the final rematch. Yeah, when he hits uh, when he hits forty, when he hits. Well, 40. that's what they'll wait for. Right, <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, that's why Triple G, if there's going to be a rematch, he's got to do it soon. All yeah. right. And another thing, you know, Dax hinted on it, and I earlier hinted on, on it with uh, earlier programs. I mean, everybody was used to seeing Triple G just, just dominate and knock out anybody in front of him. And because he didn't do so with Billy Joe Saunders, or uh, I mean, not with Billy Joe Saunders, with Daniel Jacobs or Kel Brook, these are world-class top-ranked fighters. And, you know, Triple G, as I suggested, he did what he had to do to win. And that's what champions do. That's what fighters do. And, you know, his stock, he's just fighting world-class fighters. The same thing with this Canelo Alvarez. Canelo Alvarez is one of the best fighters out there today. So, you know, let's give some credit where credit is due. Triple G, you know, as far as him looking flat, as far as him looking this— Look at who he just went past. Daniel Jacobs could be a champion in any other era or any other opponent, and he'll walk through some many, many fighters, and he will be a champion. Same thing with Kell Brook. He could. He could have. I don't know what he's doing with his orbital bones right by now, but, you know, that might be another story. But uh, the truth of the matter is when Triple G beat these top-rated, top-level, world-class opponents that were put before him, he did what he had to do to beat them and win. That's it. No doubt. Uh, on this day, September 19th in 1935, Babe Risco wins a 15-round decision over Teddy Yaritz to win the NBA and New York World Middleweight titles, and that took place in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. On this day in 1954, Robert Cohen wins a 15-round decision over Chamaron Sung Kiriat to win the vacant world bantamweight title and took place in Bangkok. On this day in 1991, Hiroshio Tatsuhura knocks out Greg Richardson in the 10th round to win the WBC world bantamweight title and took place in Tokyo. On this day in 1992, Chris Eubank wins a 12-round decision over Tony Thornton uh, to retain his WBO super middleweight title and took place in Scotland. On this day in 1945, Sammy Angot knocks out Ike Williams in the sixth round to improve to 76 wins, 22 losses, and seven draws in their matchup that took place at Forbes Field uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Williams, he drops to 67 wins, nine losses, and a draw. And finally, on this day, September 19th in 1998, Evander Holyfield wins a 12-round decision over Vaughn Bean to retain his WBA and IBF World Heavyweight titles uh, from the Georgia Dome in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Bean loses for only the second time in his pro career, dropping to 31 wins and two losses. Hey, man, that concludes our show for today. Make sure you tune in tomorrow. We got a busy show scheduled for you today. And before you do that, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha!